Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the Midipod Podcast. My name is Josh Lyles, joined, as always, by Josh Green, Hunter Cox, and Randy Green. Just some dudes out here in West Texas trying to live life for the Lord. Amen. Amen, Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, hey, this is our our first podcast of the new year. How's it going for everybody? Anything anything crazy happened since uh, 2022? Nope. New year, same old Randy. Uh, I took a trip to Passion in Fort Worth Passion Conference, and uh, it's a worship conference, in case you think it's something else. And um, we had an absolute blast. Uh, super Be careful worshipful. how you search that. Yeah, don't, don't bless the old Josh Lyle and do... Uh, yeah, just be careful how you search it. Let's just be it there. was accidental, I promise. Accidental. Um, the first time. <laughs> Technically, this trip was last year, but it, I mean, it, I feel like it kick-started my year um, worshiping with a group from our church, and it was really, really good for my soul. And I actually feel much more refreshed now than I did in December, and so very thankful for that. Love it. Very cool. Anybody else go anywhere or do anything? I didn't, man. I, I had some days off of work, but it was more staycation type stuff, and uh, I didn't even do a whole lot, man. Just kind of hung out with the family. They were out of school. Kids were out of school, and uh, yeah, it was just a good relaxing time to end the year, and you know, had that first Monday off too, so I didn't have to go back till a Tuesday, you know, and uh, it's been, you know, just back to work since then, but uh, ended the year and started the year with a little bit of time off, which was nice. It's great. Great way to start. Yeah, we went to Riodoso with Lauren's family and celebrated Christmas there, so that was nice. There wasn't any snow, but we went to a Tubin Hill that was man-made snow and kind of hung around there for a little while, and then just just being in the mountains. What do they make man-made snow out of? Water. Isn't, no. that, just, isn't that just regular snow? <laughs> 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 what a, no, dude. Like, <laughs> it's man. Uh, right, I don't know. I've no, never been. I've ne- I have no idea. I was. It's curious. it's a device. It's a Hunter, machine. The, Hunter, these peasants don't know about skiing. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know. I've been twice. We're on the same level. Golly, so they don't. I mean, know. get out in the world a little bit. You know, <laughs> I mean, grow up. <laughs> So man-made snow is different than man-made rain? <laughs> Stop, I'm done. I'm done, one? man. I'm it's done. called a sprinkler? Snowmaker. All right? That's what they call it on the mountain. Okay. What do you want me to call it? I don't know. Don't know. Um, Move on. Cool. We, we went to... Um, we went to West Texas. I guess we're in West Texas. We went a little farther. A little walked far, outside. A little farther <laughs> west. Walked. walked out your front door. <laughs> went a little farther west. We went out to uh, Big Bend for a little while. We actually stayed in Alpine and spent spent some time in, in the Big Bend area and uh, took my, my in-law's fifth wheel. And we got there, had some issues, and uh, in, in me trying to fix the issues, I mixed up the hydraulic lines. And uh, it was just, it was a bad deal. It was a bad deal. Could have been a lot worse than what it was. So our arrival and our departure were really hectic, but the rest of the time was really great. Good way to end uh, in the year. I'm out there, uh, quote unquote, camping, right? Where was that place that you ate? You texted us and said you were eating somewhere. Do you remember? So there were a couple places. One is uh, we ate at the Riata. So I'm not sure if you guys know the Riata in Fort Worth. Uh, The origination of that. Origination. Origination. <laughs> <laughs> Where that place started uh, is in Alpine. And so there's a little, a small one there um, in Alpine, kind of downtown. And then we ate at a place called uh, the Starlight Theater, uh, which is in Terlingua. Yeah. Ghost Town, yeah. Terlingua. So Terlingua mm-hmm. used to be a mining 
uh, mining camp a long time ago. They had a, a theater there, um, and the roof blew off of it. A long t- instead of fixing the roof, they just left the roof off and called it the Starlight Theater. Uh, nice. Years, years later. Sounds like the way I fix things. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> I want to eat there because that's what my house would be like if that ever happened to me. Yeah. So, uh, but we went there to eat, and it was uh, it was really cool, really cool experience. Just outside of Big Bend, and uh, man, I'm telling you, just beautiful, beautiful area. So, if you've never been, I would I would recommend. Get on out there. <laughs> cool. So, hey, most of us here are are big sports fans. Obviously. Uh, yeah, Josh Green not included in that. <laughs> um, and I thought, I thought, why not? You know, it, uh, we, just, we just ended the college football season. Um, basketball season's kind of midway through, if you guys care about that. Spring training's right around the corner. The Super Bowl is coming up. And so I was curious if you guys have maybe like a favorite sports moment. Could be one that, that you were involved in. And, and for me, one that I've experienced as a fan, right? Um, but I, I was curious. Maybe, maybe it's a funny moment. Maybe it's emotionally charged. I don't know. But I would like to hear it. I think maybe our listeners would appreciate it too. Mine is as a player in high school, sophomore year of high school, we got to play at Rangers Stadium, uh, old stadium, whatever it was called. Ballpark in Arlington. Ballpark in Arlington. We played there against Fort Worth, Western Hills. Uh, and I got to pitch. I think I pitched six innings. You know, it was fun. It was cool. It was a cool experience. Of course, every time I pitched, we forgot to uh, how to hit um, <laughs> whenever I pitched. So we lost two to nothing. I think I gave up six hits or something. But it was fun. I mean, it, it was a cool experience. Huge ballpark. Like on I mean, the mound. And on the mound, yeah. Cool. It's pretty legit. So it, it was cool. But that that's probably the coolest sports moment of my Was that the career. new? Or that, that was the old one. That was the old stadium, yeah. That was right. the, the middle stadium. So there was an old stadium. It's called Turnpike Stadium or Arlington Stadium, so, and then the new one was in '94, and that's that one. Me yeah. and Randy were at a stadium when Nolan Ryan fought Robin Ventura. Yeah, granted we were on the oh. upper deck, but we were there. We were, nice. It was incredible. But it was pretty great. Listen, awesome. I watched um, I watched a documentary the other day called uh, Facing Nolan. Have you guys seen it? Uh-uh. Incredible. You've seen it, Randy? I have not. I, was, I, saw, you. I saw it, but I haven't seen it, yeah, if that no. makes sense. You have told us, but we have not so, taken so I, action on this. I have, I've seen it on Netflix for a long time, kind of like you yes. have, just like the, the little um, icon. But I haven't watched it. And the other day I was I was not feeling well, and I was like, I'm just going to watch this. And it was incredible. And it, it featured that, yeah. um, that moment. And I was like, man, I remember when that happened, but not – because I was there, but you guys were there. Well, yeah. I was so little, yeah. I barely remember it, but I just remember the whole crowd screaming Nolan, and I couldn't figure out what they were saying. I was like, Dad, what are they saying? And he said Nolan, so I just started screaming Nolan with him. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was in, bro. Yeah. It was great. The dude was like 40-something, 43, yeah. 44 yeah. when that happened. I mean, sure was young. You know, it, was I remember the next morning in the paper, because we grabbed the paper at the hotel we were at, and it was just an amazing picture of – of headlock uh, yeah all yeah. of it and then even pudge like reaching out trying to grab robin ventura from the back you know trying to chase him down it was it was pretty legit that dude he didn't stand a chance didn't yeah. stand a chance it was awesome it was fun you guys should watch that documentary it was really good mine uh was was actually earlier in that same season that was i believe the 93 <laughs> season <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh in um i wasn't even born yet in the in <laughs> the born old in the old ballpark, the old, old ballpark, the same one. And, and I think people initially called it Turnpike Stadium, um, and it was, it was leveled when the new one was built. But um, I remember my uncle lived in the Metroplex, um, and he was, he was probably 15, 16 years older than me. 
um, still is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so it was work? summertime, and he's like, hey, man, I'm in the big city. Why don't you come up here for a little bit, and, and we'll hang out. And I was like, okay. So um, I was young, probably seven or eight. Um, and uh, he took me to a Rangers game. And it was, you know, Rafael Palmero was on that team. And he's like, man, you know, I, I know where the players come in. And so f- for me, as an avid baseball fan, I'm like, well, let's go, let's go. And so he takes me to, um, to where they pull in with their cars, and we see Rafael Palmero walking across the parking lot. And he screams out. He's like, hey, Rafi, Rafi, it's my nephew's first game. Hit him a home run. And, I mean, the dude didn't care about me. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just went in, whatever. I'll be danged if he didn't hit a home run that night. <laughs> Not only one home run, he hit two home runs. That's awesome. Uh, and they won the game against the Detroit Tigers, uh, Cecil Fielder. Like, I remember, I remember that game. And I feel like that was probably – the moment that I that I really fell in love with the Rangers and, and baseball. We were avid baseball fans, but that was that was when I got to experience it, you know. Um, and so that was that was awesome. I believe that was um, I think what July fifteenth, nineteen ninety three. That game, pretty awesome. I pulled up the box score. I did a little research just to make sure <laughs> I remember it right. Uh, but yeah, no, he hit, he hit two bombs that game, and uh, that was fun. That was a fun fun time for me. Second to that is when the Rangers won the ALCS the first time. And against the Yankees? Yeah. I was at that game. He struck out. Because that was close second. Man. That was really cool. It was amazing. That was a magical time, too, because I wasn't at that game, but we lived up there. And so it was just my wife and I. And um, we had another friend that was really into baseball and the Rangers. And he called. He's like, let's go. Let's go to the stadium. And so we drove 20 minutes to the stadium. And it was like, it was magical. Like, people walking down the sidewalks giving each other high fives, hugging strangers. You know, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was That's pretty cool. cool. Love it, man. When I was in high school, played football, uh, and this is just one of my favorite moments. I was the deep snapper. We were playing Fort Stockton, uh, and uh, there are rules in football that when you're deep snapping and your head's down, you cannot get hit by the defense, right? Um, and so first time we punted, snapped the ball, I got hit right in the top of my – you know, right in the back of my head, top of, the, top of my back. And, uh, you know, obviously knocked me over. And uh, I could see the dude running away, but I, there was no flag, nothing called, anything like that. Um, we comes up again. We have to punt again. And this time I'm ready for it. Snap the ball. That dude hits me. And when he hits me, I'm falling back, and I kind of grab a hold of him a little bit, uh, and we fall down. But it's a punt, and so we have punted the ball down the field. Everybody else runs down the field me and this dude are rolling around uh, and uh, just by ourselves on that end of the field. And uh, we, we kind of stood up, and I actually grabbed him by his helmet and hip-rolled him and threw him on the ground and got on top of him. Uh, and actually, he ended up getting the flag, which was pretty awesome. Uh, and my coaches chewed me out because they didn't want me to get thrown out of the game and all that kind of stuff. But it was pretty amazing uh, just because everybody else had moved down the field, and it was just him and I going at it. Uh, that's one of my favorite moments. Another great moment from football uh, is when uh, we were about to score, uh, again, playing center. We threw an interception in the end zone, and the guy's running we're down the sideline. like that, bro. <laughs> and I have the angle, so I chase him down, and I run him all the way down, and I tackle him uh, before he scores a touchdown. It was an amazing play. Uh, my friends made fun of me for the whole next week. <laughs> they would say things to me like, did that guy have a cheeseburger in his pocket? <laughs> and things like that, uh, which completely ruined the moment for me. 
but uh, it was actually pretty hilarious. And so uh, it was uncharacteristic of me for me to run somebody down from behind, but my friends made it even better. That's funny. One of my favorite stories of you is the very last game Randy ever played in high school. Like on the very first series, he breaks his right hand and he's a snapper. And so, like, we can tell something's wrong in the stands. I'm, I'm the younger brother. We're, we're like in Stephenville or something. I don't know yep. where we're at. And um, we can tell something's wrong, but we, we can't just go have a conversation with him. And we're just kind of watching him. And then all of a sudden, he's the defense is out there, and Randy's on the sideline, and he's snapping with his left hand. And, and we were all kind of freaking out because it's playoffs. It, it's crazy. And uh, he snapped that whole game left-handed and just had a broken hand and got it fixed after the game. Oh, that was freaking What cool. a stud. Yeah, dude. Golly. I appreciate it. I, uh, I don't, <laughs> it was a, again a, a great memory. I don't like telling that story because it sounds it know, was cool like for me, self-serving bro. or whatever, yeah. you know. But it was it was uh, it was a good good day. Oh, we got sweet. beat. That was a bummer. That was the last game I ever played, but uh, memorable for sure. Memorable for sure. Yeah. I didn't really have any good memorable like as an athlete sports stories. There was one time <laughs> in high school. If you'll afford me this real quick, and then we'll move on. <laughs> I was playing JV basketball, and listen, I'm not good at basketball, okay? <laughs> really, you can insert anything in there that you want, but um, we played at church all the time, but, like, just the, the organization of it terrified me, so I didn't really know what to do. And so um, what it really amounted to was there were, there were 15 of us on the team, um, and I was, <laughs> like, number 15 of 15. <laughs> Sometimes the coach would just put me uh, to the side and let me shoot free throws. Uh, while everybody else practiced. Sometimes he sent me to practice with the girls. True story. Um, and so so something happened. I don't know what it was, but I missed um, a, a good portion of the regular season. Um, and then uh, somehow, some way, uh, we're, we're in the last game of the season, and Coach taps me on the shoulder, and he's like, go in. And I look at the clock expecting there to be like 12 seconds, and there's like two and a half minutes left. I was like, what is happening? And so I go in. And um, we call ourselves the fireballs, like the, the last of, of the 15, the last five of the 15. And so we're in there, and the fireballs are cheering my name, and we're going crazy. And then I get the ball, and I panic, and I pass it to somebody else on, on our team. Again, get the, they pass it to me. I'm like, what the heck are you doing passing somebody else? <laughs> so the coach calls a timeout, calls us over there, and he's like, Lyles, shoot the ball. <laughs> Score some points. You're the only one who hasn't scored all season. Score some points. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so uh, I go up and down the court a couple times and get the ball again, close my eyes, shoot the ball. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I'm being hoisted into the air, <laughs> carried off the court nice. as a hero. Rudy, bro. Rudy. Rudy. My, my little Rudy moment. A so, real life Rudy moment. Nice. And JV, JV basketball. Yeah. That was my first and last basket. So it was awesome. <laughs> it's cool. Two points, baby. Hey. One for uh, one for one, hundred percent career field goal percentage, <laughs> career thousand percent field goal percentage right. for me. So, you know, yeah, you know, went out on top. Yeah. So, anyways, good times, good times. Uh, you, well, hey, you miss all the shots you don't take. Don't right. <laughs> <Michael Scott. laughs> so so take any. <laughs> That's my favorite, yeah. my favorite Michael Scott quote. Um, well, hey, listen, we're in the new year officially uh, by about a week and, and a half, and so um, I was looking the other day and. and Somehow stumbled upon this this uh, New Year's resolution website uh, where, where it had some some silly New Year resolutions um, like like this. Pick fewer internet fights. Anybody on Twitter? Yes. Oh man, isn't it hard it's on Twitter not to terrible just place. come un- yes. unglued? 
then then one was uh, I'll finish all the the DIY do it yourself projects um, that that I start or started last year. and then there was one uh, two-minute limit to pick your, your Netflix show, which that's is hard which sometimes. is crazy. Yeah, that's, that's a real tough. thing. Yeah. I even had Berkeley, my oldest daughter, the other day was like, Dad, it's so hard to choose what to watch. I was like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, so that's a good one. Uh, here's, here's my personal favorite, and that is anytime you go to Starbucks, don't order by their system. Just use small, medium, and large. That's it. <laughs> I would appreciate Have that. you done it yet? Yeah. Have they corrected you? Oh no! Yeah, they try, but I've done yeah. this for years. I've done that one for years. That's <laughs> that's like the only this. that's like the only resolution I've never broken. Out of He's like, hey, can I have a large? Is that a Fenty? I was like, I don't know. The biggest one you got? Don't they even have a bigger sure. one now? That's called something like an extra large. It's, <laughs> I'm serious. That's what we would call the bigger one. What if the extra large one just called extra large? <laughs> yeah, That'd be great. No, it's got a name because somebody said it the other day and it, I had to do a double take. What's it called? No, I, don't, I don't know. I can't remember. Hmm. I've been vaccinated. If you don't remember. <laughs> So it went from from silly kind of whatever unrealistic resolutions to to really specific uh, or not specific but but general resolutions like this: drink water. I hope you will. Which Smart. you should. Most uh, yeah. people don't. It seems just really generic. You know what I'm saying? Like just really vague. Like like yes. you just like I had a paper do it. Like I had a paper s- do in college, and I started the night before, and that's what I came up with: drink water. Yeah. Like, okay. It's I definitely not it. smart. I get my water in when I eat the ice at the bottom of my dot Dr. Pepper. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's where I get my <laughs> Whatever you can do, be creative, right? Yeah. Uh, another one was to just be on time. Okay. I yeah, like that. Somebody needs to tell Lauren that. Ooh, Ooh. No one didn't say it. I'm just kidding. It's Sorry, edit, Lauren. I'm kidding. Edit it out. What do you <laughs> feel about this? It's going to be bad. If you're on time, you're late. If you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. What do you feel about that? I like being early. I don't think I have to be 15 minutes early. I like to I like to be punctual, though. It's my preference. Let me just ask, when would that ever stop? Because if 15 minutes early is on time, but on time is late, you'd have to arrive 15 minutes <laughs> earlier, yeah. which would be the new on time, which would mean you could never be on time anywhere. That's correct. So just show up whenever you want? Just before the time. If it starts at 9, be yeah. there at 8.59 and you're good. I'm, like I'm cool with that. Yep. I like it. But be ready to go, right? <laughs> Here's another one. This one, this one was pretty, pretty generic. I thought, um, and you probably heard it, and I've probably said it, but uh, it was, it was to be a better man. I just hope you will yeah. be a better. <laughs> yeah. It's a great goal for you. Be a better man. What does that even mean? You gotta be a man before you can be a better man. Ooh, so we're yeah. we're in trouble. Shots fired. <laughs> Psst, that's the sizzle. That's not your. That's not. That's not a problem with your reception. That's the burn that I just received. But for real, what, what does that mean? I think. I think we live in a society that would. Um, that that may even. Number one might not have had a great definition of what manhood was to begin with, and number two is actively trying to rewrite that definition. So I thought maybe maybe first of all let, let's let's kind of spitball and say what. What does our society say manhood is? Be tough, don't cry. Well, that's what it used to be. I don't know what it is anymore. Well, West, um, I think that still rings true in West Texas for yeah, sure. Yeah. Be tough, like don't cry. Yeah. Don't ask for help unless, I mean, it has to be almost an emergency to really ask somebody else to help you. Don't reach out. You know, you can yeah. do it on your own, you know. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah. kind of stuff. Did you guys ever get hit by baseball? Um Yes. Yes. And and you walk down to first. What did your coach say? Walk it off. 
walked up, rub it, rub some dirt on it. Don't cry. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. I think our society works in extremes, you know? So I think right now there's uh, one side that's people would call toxic masculinity, you know, with guys like Andrew Tate in the news and stuff like that. And then there's a whole other side of things where uh, part of our society, that's the other way where like men are painting their fingernails and doing all this other stuff uh, that would historically been called feminine. Uh, and they're, they are uh, championing that as the new manhood. And so I think our society often kind of goes to those extremes, right? Extremes one way or the other. And they have a hard time actually giving a definition for our most basic yes. concepts. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's good. Uh, I, as a man and a father of three girls, have worn painted fingernails recently. <laughs> yes. It's been okay. It's yeah, fine. It's fine. You made yeah. it. Survived. Yes. I had, I had a lot of comments about it, though. You know, like you said, just being in West Texas, like, yeah. well, why your nails look like that? <laughs> well, just thinking about things. <laughs> so, so here's the thing, though, because I, I, think, I think, you know, we call ourselves the, the men of pod, like insinuating that we are men. Um, but, but I think as, as a Christian man... As a husband, a father, um, church leadership, right? Like, sh- shouldn't we care about what that definition looks like for us? And shouldn't that definition um, really kind of guide us in all facets of our life, right? In 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 our um, in our relationship with our spouse, in uh, our parenting, in how we handle matters of the church or matters at work. Um, and so, so, why don't why don't we talk just a little bit today about what is what is manhood, not according to the world, but according to Scripture? Anybody have any kind of enlightenment on that when, when I ask that question? What, what is manhood according to the Bible? I think the answer is Jesus. Um, You'd fit in my Sunday school class with yeah. those kids. <laughs> yeah. And I know that's like what you expect to say, but I think it's true, because if you really just survey the life of Jesus, um, he is a a physical man but then also like you see him cry you see him angry you see him care you see him rebuke you see him teach like you see all these different emotions all these different relationships he's in you know with men and with women um like like he's he shows us what life should be like for somebody who really is in tune with the father walking by the holy spirit like that's what manhood looks like and so it's not necessarily a set of emotions or even a set of, of deeds or a, or producing or working necessarily. But it's really, I think it comes down, which again, seems like such a Sunday school answer, but it's true. Like, like a real man biblically, I think is a guy who is in touch with who God is and in step with the spirit, because that's going to help that man live out the fullest call of God on his life, which could be slightly different depending on who we're talking to in the situation, in the situation. But I see Jesus is tough and tender. Um, all these different things. You can't just put one thing on him. I mean, he's encompassing a, a whole person, and you can't just put him in a box or in a corner. Like he's very unpredictable. Um, but that's because he's in tune with the with the Father and walking by the Spirit. Well said. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I read this uh, this quote, and I can't I can't remember who it was from. Um, but it says this, Jesus Christ is a perfect example of biblical masculinity. Yeah. He was resilient in the pursuit of God, gentle in spirit, and humble in service to others. Um, and I think that's a, that's a great picture. And you, and you can look 
all through Scripture and, and try to try to pinpoint men and, and hear some characteristics from from this this godly man um, through the Old Testament through the New Testament, but but none better than Jesus, right? Yeah. I mean, like he should be our our metric for everything. And obviously, we're not going to measure up perfectly, but in what what awesome set of characteristics that that we that we can look to right in front of us, you know, right in Scripture. So. Anybody have anything else? I kind of had like five bullet points, like for what a man of God does. Uh, serve the king, right? That's, yep. I mean, we serve Jesus first. And that's who we follow. Um, Matthew six thirty three. Um, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. Um, and then second was step up, kind of lead, initiate action. You know, be a leader. Uh, be one who will do the right thing uh, when nobody's watching or do the right thing. You know, when somebody is watching, step up and be that that leader. Uh, speak out. Uh, be courageous and bold. Um, speak the truth in love. You know, be be loving, be compassionate, be caring, uh, just as Jesus did. Um, stand strong. Uh, and I put be a lion. You know, Jesus was a lion. Be, be strong. Be, stand up for your faith. Uh, stand up for others. Stand up for the weak. Uh, be there for people that are hurting. Um, and then lastly, stay compassionate and loving. And I put be a lamb because, I mean, you, you, you also have to show that love and compassion um, just as the same. You, you can't be either or. You need to be both. I mean, Jesus was a lion and a lamb. Um, you have to be strong, and you also have to be compassionate towards others. So, I heard a guy talking about two men uh, as far as um, in regards to Christ and, and just in men in general that uh, – you know, Christ was the example of like strength under control. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he had the power to do all kinds of things. When he's on the cross, he had the power to call down angels. He had, uh, you know, when they came to arrest Jesus, he could have fought back. He had the ability to do that. I mean, Peter was there with a the sword ready to throw down, uh, but he was restrained, you know. And then when he needed to be strong, uh, when he's talking to the lady caught in adultery and he's kind of, you know, pushing back against the, the leaders, uh, he shows strength there. Uh, you know, I know groups of people don't like talking about him turning over tables, but it's in the Bible for a reason, uh, because at times it's necessary. And so, you know, a man um, is this, this, this picture of strength under control. Like you have the ability to do these things, but um, you use uh, these qualities uh, in a way that honors the Lord um, as best as possible. I actually thought about that before I, I came. Like, I mean, don't take your anger to a place that it'll be sinful. Use yeah. that that anger and uh, use it for the glory of God to whatever initiate action or change or you know do the right thing you know whatever comes out of it. And I think we've all said it too, man. I brought up like the the societal extremes, but you know as usual the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? And I think Jesus models these things yes. perfectly. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, again, the words that yeah. have used by other pastors, Josh brought them up. This tough and tender, this lion and lamb. Uh, he's he's a perfect mixture of those two things, uh, and I think that's the goal for us men to be that perfect mixture of of that. Um, again, we, we we fall short, but that's what we're striving to. That's good. I think a word that I come back to all the time is uh, you see it in Genesis one and two when God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, and they are to cultivate and to tend the garden. And when I really think about like humanity, but specifically manhood, I think about the word cultivate. And I, when, and what I mean by that is God's kind of put us here and like, especially as I men, we're to, we're to like love our wives and to die to ourselves. And like, we're supposed to really, I think, leverage our lives for the kingdom and for Jesus and uh, make our lives hopefully 
matter for eternity, right? Like, like we want to use the life that we have because it's so short and eternity is so long. So we want to use and leverage our lives. So I think about the word cultivate, thinking how can I really be a blessing to those that I come around and help, help, help them grow, help them um, encourage, help them do whatever they need to do. So I want to cultivate my kids and know them and listen to them and encourage them and correct them and disciple them. Like I want to cultivate them. Yeah. I'm saying thing with my wife, with my friends, with the church, with the students I lead. Like I just think about this idea of cultivating all the time and it's, it's constant work. Like you never really have to stop cultivating because there's always like weeds and other stuff coming in. And sometimes it's, it's potentially painful. Like you have to prune. Yeah. And, and I think mm-hmm. you see that in Jesus too. Like, like, um, Mary and Martha, when Lazarus dies, they ask Jesus the same question. He answers them differently. Like, he's so in tune with the Spirit and, and what they need and who they are that he responds to them in a way that can help their faith grow. And you see the way he talks to, like, the Pharisees. He talks to them different than he talks to yeah. other people. And, like, he's cultivating everybody. He like, At least, I think that's his heart. Not everybody receives it. Sure. But, like, his heart is to cultivate and to grow and to build up. And I think that is really a word that... I try to consistently think through my relationships if I'm actually cultivating and, and adding value and blessing and benefiting and using what God's given me to help them grow. And so I think cultivate's a really important word. I think the other thing that's in this conversation is that it's okay for us to struggle. Like you see Jesus struggling mm-hmm. several times, but like for sure the night before the cross, but like I think it's such a stigma that guys can't struggle and we can't be honest about where we are. And we can't be honest when we're not a lion and when we're not bold and when we're not standing firm. We know we should be those things, but when we're not, we almost feel like a failure because we're supposed to be this and we're not. But I think one of the beauties of Jesus and the Christianity is like the whole point of the cross is Jesus knows we can't do it. And so yep. like we lean on him and we trust him and then we have the confidence that we can confess our failures knowing that God's got us and that He can restore us and He can grow us into the line and to the boldness that we should have in the first place. So I think those two things are really important, like cultivate and then and then really learn how to like own your mess-ups and to have, have other people enter in with you to help carry the burdens with you because you're going to yeah. need it. You yeah. can't do it by yourself. No. I think I think that's good. You know, just just thinking through like... You can't do it by yourself, and and I think independence, you know, is is kind of like the culture's definition of of manhood. Like I, I don't I don't need any help. Like I don't I don't want to I don't want to have my hand out. I don't want to take charity. I don't you know th- those are those are values that I think whether you call them values or not. Like that was that was big when I was growing up. Like my, my grandfather's like man, I, this is this is me. I've got pride in myself and my family name. But what I've learned is man, you you can't make it on your own. You can't, and even if you—I mean—you can try as hard as you want. Like it, it just—it leaves leaves you in a um, maybe a depressive state, or, or um, really as ineffective to cultivate. You know. Well, it, what seems to happen is if if you do really good on your own, then you're kind of proud, and you look down on those who can't. And if you fall on your face, you feel like a failure, and you get depressed. It's like it's really a no win to to depend on yourself because. Either you get all the glory or you get none of the glory. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're designed for either. Like we're designed to give God the glory with our lives. And so yeah, I be think, in community and yeah, you know, be together. Yeah. And, and I think that's one reason why God gives the church because he knows we need each other. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's a, it's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's not the design. It's, it's a, 
it's false. I don't know. Like to, to pretend like you don't need help is just against the very design of God himself. Like it's not good for man to be alone. Like we need other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously he, he said that before he created Eve, but I, I'm, I'm not so certain that, that he was talking about marriage as much as he was talking about Humanity. community. Like, yep. like you need, you need somebody else to do life with. Yep. Um, and, and I think that's, that's important. I say that all the time. I even say that to, uh, to the, to the kids I teach, like, Hey, listen, in, in the very beginning, God created everything. And, and the only, the only thing he said wasn't good is that Adam was by himself. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we all need to focus on, Hey, who, who can we have in our lives to help us as men grow? Um, as men, right? So, do y'all know any? I'm looking for some good guys in my life. Do y'all yeah. know of any? Yeah. Those thir- Thursday lunches aren't kicking it. <laughs> I wish I could help you. JK. I, no, but really, yeah. Like our Thursday lunches have been super, you know, helpful, I think, for all of us for sure, but especially to me. Um, for sure. You know, you know, growing my faith, growing what I need to be doing as a man, you know, the steps I need to be taking, you know, in preparation. You know, Lord willing, we do get a child. You know, I've, I've already got some plans in place, you know, that yeah. we've talked about and y'all have talked about. So, um, and I think too, it's, it's difficult sometimes because like, I don't know about you, but I, I like, I like clear and concise and in front of my face. Like I'm, I'm a list guy. Tell me what you want from me and I'm going to do my best to do it. The Bible doesn't really do that with, with no. the concept of, of biblical manhood. Like you can look, um, you know, you can look in, in first Timothy and get a small list that, that, um, that Paul writes there, right? F- flee. Um, flee the bad things and pursue these things: righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. But, but that's I mean a, a small list of those things. So yeah, you you probably wouldn't mess up if if you did that. But I think there's more to it. And so, uh, man, I think I think being a man is is being committed to God's word and and to pursuing. Yeah. Hey, what is mm-hmm. what what does Jesus do in these situations of life? Uh, because the Bible does pertain to everything for for life and godliness like we have everything that we need um but yeah i think i think it takes effort right and and maybe that scares us away a little bit um to have to read or have to do work or have to do whatever the bible's not against effort it's against earning it's good dallas Mm -hmm. willard one of my all-time favorite quotes um Man, it takes effort to to pursue godliness, but we're not earning God's love. We're not earning God's favor. We already have that. And from the the love and favor we have, then we pursue godliness because we want to live our lives for Him. That's just totally different than I've got to do all these things so God loves me and accepts What it boils down to is like the perspective that we have of yep. the gospel, like what, what Jesus has done for us, right? Because I, I think, I mean, do, do you guys feel like that, that generally there's a difficulty in in men Wanting to put forth that effort? Sometimes. Why do you think that is? Like, why don't they want to put forth the effort? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's just the path of least resistance, honestly. It's easier to do what's comfortable and, yes. you know. Status quo. I think uh-huh. we're inherently selfish. And so, like, I think we don't always, like, it does. I mean, if you're really going to follow Jesus, the, the prerequisite is to agree that you're not good enough and that you don't have what it takes and that you need somebody else's help. And for not just now, but for eternity, you know, so like that's kind of a pretty big jump for like a dude who's been raised, you know, to pull himself up as own bootstraps yeah. Yeah. and humble yourself. And if you've been doing that for years on years on years, also, it's hard to change that. And when you got a bunch of good old boys who like in terms of worldliness, like 
they work hard. They pay their taxes. They try to be nice. They help their friend in need. Like they don't see themselves as a sinner in need of grace. Yeah. They don't see, we don't, especially in West Texas, we don't see sin the way the Bible describes sin um, as something that separates us from God. And right. that, you know, is like us, like really like living in such a way that completely and utterly dishonors and spits in the face of God. We just see as, Hey, we're good old boys. We messed up here and there, but we're all right. Yeah. We're all going to the same place. And so I just think like there's a whole misunderstanding of what sin is and why Jesus would even need to come in the first place. Yeah. Which is why we got to be really clear when we articulate the gospel. No, that makes a lot of sense, you know, just just um a light view of sin and really a light yep. view of of the sacrifice of Jesus. Yes. You know, I feel like I feel like obviously we we've said that that there's no explicit definition of of biblical manhood, but I think I think it really does lend itself um, away from the idea of independence and fully into dependence. Like like I'm depending on God. Um I'm saying I can't, right? When when manhood in, in our culture, in our West Texas culture is I can. May not know how, but I can. I can find a way to get out. it done. Yeah. I can do it. I can yeah. figure it out. But at the heart of the gospel is us saying I can't. Right? It's surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so that's tough. And so um anyways, no, no, I think I think uh I think we're on to a good conversation. Does anybody have anything else that you'd like to share? No, I, for me at the moment, um, not, I mean, it's real at this moment, but it's been true for years. The hardest thing in the world is developing my sons into men by far. It's, it's, there's not even a close second in how difficult that is. And so, um, just, um, you know, trying to instill some of these things in, in my sons and, uh, not always modeling that stuff well, you know? Uh, I have one son that's really hard-headed. I have one son that's really tender-hearted. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, I don't always model well for them what biblical manhood is, but it's uh, it's a conviction of mine, and it's uh, something I'm working on. You know, I, I'm not an emotional guy, really. Uh, one of my sons is very emotional, you know, and, uh, like, they don't see me cry, really. And so... I don't really want to model that for my, you know, they, they need to know it's okay to be, you know, upset and emotional and be moved to tears. And that's, that's a natural human thing. And so, um, again, I've got my own issues. I'm working out with that, but, uh, raising up my sons to be men is proving to be the most difficult thing, uh, in the world and keeps me dependent upon God going back to God. I mean, numerous times a day, just begging God to do a work in their life and my life. And, uh, to lead me well and, you know, to my kids fortunately have heard me go to them and say, Hey, dad screwed up. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. They have heard me do stuff like that. Um, so again, there's, there's moments there, but I feel like I have a lot of work to do to, to continue to model what it means to be a man in Christ. You know, I feel the exact same way. And and that may be a whole podcast in and of itself, because what I've learned it's having five boys. They're all so different. Like you yeah. can't treat them all the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's really pretty, it's tiring work sometimes to really think how to enter in with each boy specifically and to help them with what they need at that current age, with their current personality, with their current struggles. Like yeah. it's very challenging. And, yeah. and and I feel like I fail more than I succeed for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have kids, but the, big word that you know after y'all talking about that is grace you know give yourself grace and don't get down in the dumps when whenever you don't feel like you have the right thing to say or do um you know give it time think about it you know that's that's just what i thought about was just grace 
uh, to yourself. Um, but yeah, that's good. I have a household full of females, um, and so so exemplifying manhood in in my house may be a little bit different. But I do want to set an example, um, you know, for for the girls on on what to look for in. Hey, this is what this is what a man of God looks like. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you, in my house, there are a lot of tears, a lot of tears. <laughs> three girls. Most of the from tears you? are mine. <laughs> yeah, most of them. Most of them are mine, uh, but uh, they they contribute occasionally. But uh, well, hey, listen. I, I think this idea of biblical manhood, whether you want to call it that or not, um, is is something maybe that we can carry over um, into a couple of other conversations that we have uh, in the coming months. Um, maybe how it impacts us as as husbands, um, and then maybe how it impacts us as as. Uh, leaders in the workplace as as parents we, we touched on on that just a little bit here i feel like it's important right yeah. it's an important no, thing that's what we're um, called to do for us to for us to focus on and so um yeah maybe over the next few conversations we can see how it kind of spills over in, into some other areas of our life and um yeah, if we want to add anything else we can but uh yeah dig like it. it yeah well i'll go against um societal manhood and and tell you other men that i love you are we gonna cry right now <laughs> thanks <laughs> if i had a nickel for every time somebody said thanks after i said i love you <laughs> at 25 30 cents bro. started in started in fifth grade and no i, I really do i appreciate you guys and um uh, thanks for your time thanks for the conversation uh, and hopefully uh, we can encourage some some listeners out there in listener land, maybe even gain a sponsor or two. You guys, you guys know anybody <laughs> who wants sure. to sponsor us? I'm sure sponsors are, are like emailing us. Like sponsored yeah. by We're Thunderbird Services. Away, yeah. <laughs> so no, you don't think anybody will? <laughs> no. No. Sponsored by Kinder Morgan then <laughs> yeah, Thunderbird right. Services? <laughs> yeah, right. No. Well, maybe maybe one day. I'm about to bleep that out so we don't get sued. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, copyright issues. Thanks for being our pod father. Yes. And thanks for being my pod children. <laughs> Amen. I hope to set a good godly. I hope to set a good. I hope to set a good podly example for you to all to follow. No. Uh, hey, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. No, opposite. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Can't wait till next time. But until then, well, like, see you later. Well, see you. Big gulp, safe. See you later. Mm-hmm.